There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. You thought that was funny. Sickness. You were laughing like a hyena when he said it. What the hell is wrong with you? Good morning, everybody. Hello there. Welcome to Thursday. Is it Thursday already? Holy yes. crap. It's Thursday already. It's 545. My name's Sean Holmberg. There's Brady Bogan, Brett Vesley, Big Dick Toledo, ready to go. Uh, this is the morning sickness and uh, off and running for Thursday. I start my day with an email from a, a firefighter who said, I just needed to thank you for what you said yesterday about rescuing idiots. He goes, not one of us wants to do this. That is not why we're here. I'm like, all right. (laughs) That's straight from the firefighters to say, please, if you're an idiot, don't call us. Show up with your friends, other idiot friends, and see if you guys can jackass your way out of your situation. So straight from a firefighter to start today, that felt good because I'm watching these. They interviewed those uh, people stranded in Sedona yesterday on the news. I don't know if you guys saw that. No. Would you even be on that? Like they're like, and they're two people from like the Midwest, and they were visiting a friend from Arkansas or Missouri or whatever, and they're like, "Hey, we're used to snow and stuff. We don't know the area at all. Let's do this." So then they did it because they're morons, and they go on the news and go, "Yeah, it was pretty scary." I mean, just, of course it was. Hillbilly jackass morons. <laughs> you know who it was scarier to? The dude hanging out of that helicopter in two degree weather, trying to get you off the mountain, you idiot. So. It's good to see. Yeah, firefighters, I've always had your back. If I ever do anything as stupid as that, because even kind of went on, the email was kind of long, but he went on and said, uh, when people start their houses on fire, we have to put it out. But usually, if they did it on purpose, they go to jail. And he goes, I'd like to see that for the dummies. And I'm like, "That's you put other people's lives in peril. That would be a great law. Yeah. Good law. Right, so there you go. So firemen, they try. first responders. Well, they do. If you start your house on fire on purpose, yeah. it's called arson. There are strict laws against yeah, that. Yeah, and you they've can't... gotten definitely better at uh, figuring that out. No, oh, figuring they've out known they've... for a long time. I was in, I was in a class in in uh, MCC years ago, and they they had a fire guy come in. It was a criminal investigations class, and they had all these cases of like burns and things like they look like a natural fire, and then they could tell, like from the very like the within like an inch and a half where of it started. where it starts. And how an alligator back burns, like it makes this alligator pattern where the burn starts. And they're like, we know exactly how and where it started within just a few hours of the fire being out. And what – Amazing. Um, they can decipher what was used, what agent yeah. was used in the fire. I mean, that was almost 30 years ago when that was going. I can't imagine the technology they have yeah. now to bust your ass on fire. But, yeah, I, I feel, firefighters are the worst ones. Those poor guys have to go to all the dumb stuff. I mean, they're just basically – the dumb fixers in a lot of cases. You think they're out there, you know, hosing off these fires all the time. Most of the time those trucks are rolling out because somebody, their head's stuck in a banister or somebody's doing something absolutely, just the stupidest thing you can imagine. A whole fire team showed up. And I think that's why like 15 or 16 of them show up to embarrass the idiot. As you should. As you should. You should be shamed. It should, there should be a full fireman's Facebook posts of dumb things we did today. And you should be shamed like those meth heads 
they used to put on the on the AZ family when they go, here's a list of, of mug booking. We uh, get a couple shots. of them every now and then, like the guy that had his uh, penis stuck in the bench. Perfect. Put in the hole and they had to use, they had to cut around it. And who gets called for that? The stupid fire department. Fire department. Yeah. Those poor bastards had to go figure out how to cut a guy's dick out of a bench because he wanted to hump a bench in a park, which is, again, get those photos out. And they're like, well, it's against the law to shame them. I'm like, no, it should be, it should be the law to shame them. You get your head stuck in the fire. Evidently, internationally, it's not. Yeah, like in Malaysia and China, they're snapping pictures of dudes stuck to things all the time. Girl stuck in the toy car. That's right. Yeah, that kind of stuff where firemen have to come. <laughs> Jaws of life are out of the Barbie yeah. truck. Yeah, firemen, I'm on your side. And then on the news last night, I was watching, and uh, no, uh, you're, I, I'm kind of transitioning into baseball mode a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. So I'm watching a little more MLB Network and things, and uh, baseball stories caught my eye. Kurt Schilling and uh, Roger uh, Clemens, Barry Bombs, all up for um, the Hall of Fame. None of them are getting in. None of them made the uh, the votes. And Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, it's kind of known why they're being pushed back. You know, during their playing days, they were caught with the well, they were they were caught with the steroids and uh, changed everything. So there's this there's this backlash from the media and the people who vote for the Hall of Fame to say. You didn't play the game fair. You can't get into the Hall of Fame. At least we're going to make it really difficult for you, uh, even though everything you did on the field gets you in. Kurt Schilling isn't getting in because after he retired, he said he doesn't care for transgender law changes and bathrooms and things like that. He made some controversial comments right. about Muslims. And I don't think it was uh, – I don't know that he went off crazy. People Between were comments and bad investments. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that shouldn't keep you out no. of the Baseball Hall of Fame because if that's the case, if bad investments are the case, you, you eliminate about 3,500 Hall of Fame guys. And then if racism 90%. is the case, the best players in the game that we hold up you know, so are dear are out. Well, the best Cobb. player, Ty Cobb. Yeah. Ty Cobb, gone. gone. Yeah, first one. Babe Ruth, gone. You Teddy. think Ty Cobb's the best player? I think so. In, in baseball history? I think so. No kidding. Yeah, I think so. What, what gives you that? Well, just his just his overall stats and everything. I admire else. But, this, but again, he's he didn't you know he didn't play in this day and age, right? So, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to you can't kind of hard to tell. So, but he, but was, he was miles above everybody else he played against. At he that was time. asked uh, one time uh, in an interview, I think it was in the late '60s, what he would hit off of the modern day player, yeah. and he said, "Ah, probably about two seventy five, two eighty." He said, "You were a three thirty career hitter." Yeah. Why? And he goes, "I'm seventy six years old." He thought he meant like right now <laughs> if he took the field. <laughs> Ty Cobb was a dick. Everybody hated Ty Cobb. Yeah, he went spikes up and everything. Yeah, everybody prior to 1947 that was fine with the way things were going is, was worse than Kurt Schilling. Yeah. Uh, everybody uh, after that who fought the you know the, the Phillies manager that's in the Jackie Robinson movie that was you know blah 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 N word N word N word. Uh, I don't know if he's in, but everybody on his team should have been gone. Oh, Ted Williams little, too. Uh, Ted Williams one. is one of the biggest racists. Yeah. He he forced the Red Sox to not have anybody come over from the Negro Leagues until he was gone. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a black player in Boston until 58. A, a statement out of Ted Williams just within, if you're there long enough and he's talking for longer than a couple of minutes in a discussion, something racist is going to sure. come out of his mouth. He was fine with it. We could go ask his head right now. That's the bad thing about Ted Williams' frozen head. If we brought it back and it happened to be like an Indian doctor and uh, and you know a black guy standing there and the first thing you see is you're going to hear, oh, God, really? Help me, we'll come back to life. It's like, Ted, <laughs> your frozen head can't be this racist. Still, you should be a little bit grateful. Well, I don't need playing with my head. <laughs> hey, Dots, my name is not Dots. Please stop it, Ted Williams' head. 
look over here, Dots. I'm hungry and I ain't got no tummy. I'm still more man than you, Dots. <laughs> I, I wish we had never brought back Ted Williams' head. He was horrible. So if Kurt Schilling can't get in, maybe he's an asshole. That's essentially what he's being held out for. He, and maybe he now is realizing that, and that's what, what he's doing. What? Is take me off the ballot. No, he kind of said, I don't care, baseball doesn't owe me. But yeah. he was still on a Twitter call just, waiting to see if he was going to get in. He cares. Like, he cares a lot. You don't get on the Twitter with your friends and go, all right, today's the day. We're going to find out if there's a vote. And he's on some Zoom thing, and he's got, and the cameras are waiting for him. And he's like, I don't care if I get in or not. Yes, you do, or you wouldn't have this whole thing set up. Uh, and then, you know, you're doing interviews after about how you don't care. You care. Well, there is the red light factor. He loves, he it. loves it. But, you know, basically he's a dick to some people. To, uh, uh, tons of people agreed with Kurt Schilling. Like what he was saying about, uh, you know, traveling back and forth to Muslim countries and basically saying the terrorist this, terrorist that. And he wasn't really uh, – he was pretty clumsy about what he was saying, but he was being asked some questions and opened about it and then just flat out went nuts on Twitter a couple of times. But if, if your attitude off the field keeps you out of the Baseball Hall of Fame, there'd be like three guys in there. Well, it should be based on your play on the field, right. period. That's it. Unless, you know, you went out and murdered your family or something. <laughs> Even you know, then. Something that's a little... OJ's still in the Hall of Fame. It, that's true. Once you're in, you're in. Once yeah. you're in it. And, and it's you still can't take away the fact OJ ran for 2,000 yards in a 14-game season. Yeah. He was an amazing football player. Now, you can put a little star on the bottom of his plaque and say... You know, in 1995, he was accused of this and went to jail a couple of years later. But the bottom line is, O.J. was never uh, convicted of that either. It's true. And Kurt's been convicted of nothing, but people just are like, I don't like him. Yeah. And that's all it comes down to, to not get in the Hall of Fame. And I know it's been a writer's thing that if you don't treat him right, they'll keep you off the first ballot just to make you so you're not a – there's never been a guy – I think one guy in the history of baseball since the voting that has been a unanimous first ballot. There's always one dude that says, nope, nobody gets in first time. Always one. So the vote's like, you know, 270 to one, and it's never been zero. I even think Randy Johnson had a couple people vote. I'm like, how in the world can you even consider that a non-Hall of Fame baseball player? And they're like, no, you got to earn it in. You can't just jump in the first time. So I'm watching that thing, and I'm like, I'm not a huge Kurt Schilling fan, but there's no denying, especially in this city, that dude was a powerhouse in 2001. They don't have any... Records of him being on steroids, nothing about him, you know. And the bloody sock thing, which I think is the fakest thing that happened in the last 20 years in baseball, but it's still baseball folklore. Lord, it's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I guess you have to be careful going into the future <clears throat> about uh, what you say even when you're done with the game as far as, you know, controversial topic that really doesn't hurt anybody except the person saying it for no reason. It, well, how in the world does it make a difference? But I went down the list yesterday. I'm like, Ty Cobb's the first one that came to mind. Yeah. I'm like, this dude was horrible. Just horrible to everyone. Everybody too. hated him. And nobody in the Even league. Even his teammates yeah. hated him. Afterwards, he was a bigger dick. Yeah. And that he just got shunned from every ounce of base. Like, nobody wanted to be around him. And then that dude wrote that just book the about him. commissioners early on, too. Kennesaw Mountain Landis, yep. who came in and just put his foot all over everything. The gambling guys who got banned. Uh, that made sense because they were changing, they were altering the, the game on the field. So those dudes can't get in and stuff like that. They're banned for life. Pete Rose still can't get in because of what he did on the field. But Pete Rose is as big a dick as anybody you'll ever meet, too. That guy's no good. No. Like, as far as, like, well, he's probably tamed it now. But I had a friend who used to work with him. said Pete Rose was impossible to deal with. <clears throat> oh, really? Like, horrible. Yeah. He got bitter when things went south. He was bitter before. He was a dick when he played. Pete Ro- Charlie Hustle was a dick. The reason I know that is because he got traded four times at the peak of his career. <laughs> 
they were winning World Series everywhere he went because he, but, but nobody could tolerate him. They they sent him off to Montreal in exile. It's like Jesus Christ. If I'd spend another day with Pete Rose, yeah, but we've got these uh, we're championship caliber team. We got to do better than this. I, I'd rather come in third than play with him anymore. I forgot he was on the Expos. Yeah, he was an Expo. He was a well. They let him be a manager and everything. Yeah, like, Philly like, Reds. Whatever. Yeah. Just shut up. Is that going to make you happy? Phillies, Reds, Expos, <laughs> and then he goes back. I was like, we'll take you back. Oh no, he's still an asshole. I forgot how bad this was. Yeah, Pete Rose was a doucher. And then he was gambling and drinking and goofing around. He was around. a misunderstood hillbilly. Right. But if you take it off, I mean, even you want to argue the Barry Bonds thing, half of those dudes were on speed, and they'll openly talk about that. And speed definitely is a, uh, the, a an enhancer right. for Right, when you're talking abilities. about enhancements, yeah, it's been there for... Speed's been a big part of baseball for years and years. Oh, yeah, through the eight, 70s, 80s. 70s, I mean, they 80s, were, yeah. they, they, well, I mean... I've, we've talked to certain baseball players that have said they used to have bowls after a, a day night or a night day. You played at night and you got to play the next day and you wake up and you tied one on the night before and there were bowls. You just go in and get your sunshine and you go out there feeling good for the next four hours. A feel good jug. Yeah, they wow. had jugs in the locker room. They had like, which one's your favorite? And there were bowls of amphetamine, basically. They were just yeah. to boost you up and get you going so you could play. That's definitely an enhancer. Just like bowls of check mix out there, huh? Just, just, yeah. just yeah. speed. Yeah. Or, you whatever. know, the gross part is, is that some guys put their hands in and twice. <laughs> the term speckled trout came out. That kind yeah. of made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> the little speckled trout. Yeah, we've definitely, I've talked to, well, God, I even, uh, the one guy that I played golf with, and we're goofing around and he's riding along with me, and I said, you're trying to get back in. To the league, you got a couple years left, honey. He goes, yeah, I got a got a guy calling up and trying to get back on with the Pirates, and I'm like, that'd be great. He goes, yeah, but they took all our toys away, and I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I, I got no juice, I can't do speed. All these tests are amazing, and I'm like, is that stuff you? Re-? He goes, well, everybody relies on it, the whole league. And I'm like, is that right? And he goes, nobody's getting through that season without doing something. I'm like, holy crap, man. And he goes, my arm hurts now, and I'm just sitting here golfing with you. He goes, I need some, I need my juice back. Wow. It, it, and there's the superstitious part of the game, too, that all of a sudden, if this is working, I'm going to start, gonna you know, routine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those necklaces for a while that went out, the I can't tri-metal oh, necklace, yeah. all of them wore those. I and, can't you know, imagine how much cocaine was ingested by Major League Baseball in the 80s. Let alone the New York Mets, because that, well, that's out there. Yeah, I mean, the Mets were, I mean, <laughs> Gooden, Strawberry, I mean, superstars, Hernandez, Hernandez yeah. they were all, and they were winning. Oh, yeah. Because they were never tired. They were always <laughs> coked out of their heads. Jesse Orozco, the whole team. Yeah. There's, my friend John says, there's so many reasons to hate baseball, and this is another one. F the MLB. Well, what's it's interesting true. is it's not on the baseball side, but the, you know, you're talking about the timeline. There's a documentary on Bear Bryant right now. I, he did coke? No, he didn't I do coke, did. but in, in 1970, they had a game. They got uh, killed by USC. Well, he's like, what's going on? And he was friends with McKay, the coach for yeah. USC, and they brought this uh, player on, this black player. Well, time for us to get one in Alabama, 1971. <laughs> we got to get, get one of those. <laughs> We're okay. Yeah, in 71. These, uh, these white boys just aren't cutting it right well, now. They were cutting it. Are you it. kidding me, coach? <laughs> they didn't How good be. is this kid? It's 71. 71. Man. Yeah. So you get Bear Bryant but in But now there, he's man. the great, because yeah, the he hat. saw the light. Yeah, they like, spin it. You know it. what? I've been fighting for this the whole time. Yeah, they spin it to make it seem like he was some sort of pioneer. Yep. But he did nothing 
I mean, you could have well, recruited it, black guys not in Alabama. On my field. Yeah, exactly. Again, look no further than the day after Ted Williams retires from the Red Sox. They start getting black guys. The baseball is loaded with just dicks. So if Kurt Schilling can't get in for a few Twitter comments because this pansy-ass pussy media that votes him in, is, their feathers get ruffled so easily by your tweets. They, they need to retroactively go back and start destroying the Hall of Fame because it is just loaded. And then uh, Barnabas says, don't forget about what you mentioned, all those athletes you talked to that love getting pegged. If pegging kept you out of the Hall of Fame, there'd be like Bob Costas and Al Michaels would be the only ones. in the, And that's the this broadcaster's is, wing. Bob is out. And Bob is probably, you know what? You're probably right. He probably wanted to fit in with the ballplayers. And, and they fit into him just perfectly. Oh, they love the pegging. Ask any, any pro baseball player. Just go, you like ass play? And they'll probably go, no. But you can see it on their face. They're like, oh, my God, just mentioning it makes <laughs> he me knows. want it. I want it now. <laughs> is he into this? Why? Do you know a girl's got a thing? How you doing, man? Jay Gutentag, I heard you're into this. So, yeah, baseball's, you know. And it's one of those sports that's just so strange about how, you know, Mickey Mantle was a just an absolute drunk who abused his family and just terrible things, and nobody. Well, Babe Ruth was a drunk, Babe too. Babe Ruth yeah. was a booze hound, a horrible, womanizing, horrible <laughs> I, I, person. I love the fact that if you can compete – Drunk or enhanced, you Look. have the Mickey Mantle gene. <laughs> yeah, you do. Because I don't know how you, that's not an enhancer. Being drunk and playing baseball is hard. Well, what's the uh, David Wells? Yeah, admitted yeah. through the no hitter. Doc Ellis threw a no hitter, cranked out of his head on PCP and like uh, LSD. And, yeah, LSD yeah, yeah. was all over it. It was just killing this. This hallucinating, and, that, and people don't pay attention. Like Doc Ellis threw a no hitter and a blah 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 blah. He hit like six batters that day. One of the reasons he threw that no hitter is because the guys on the other team knew something's wrong with Doc today. He is he is crazy. He is seeing things, and the ball is going anywhere. He hit people and walked every hit five walks, and like five hit batters, and he throws the no hitter because the guys with the bats were afraid of the, the guy's going to kill me. I love it when they're. I think I saw a thing where t- he's telling the story. And they're showing his what his vision would be like yeah. on the mound. The documentary, multiple guys at bat. He voices the documentary, <laughs> and it's in, they draw it. It's yeah. animated, and it is not only is it hilarious, but to hear it from his perspective. And I guess baseball should probably go back and say you should never tell the story again, or we're going to ban you from everything. But it's such a great story about just being. A drug told addict. not to do. Yeah, like, exactly. I don't want you wearing this. Get you suspended. I want you wearing hats and then the, the outfits that he'd come up with on yeah. purpose. That pirate team that year was so unaware that midway through the season they realized they didn't have any white guys on the team. <laughs> then they, then and so was the rest of the, the the media and everybody else. Some guy t- go, do you realize that all nine guys on the field right now are black? And they started doing high fives on the thing, and then they bring it up, and it became a a, a story like in June. Like, we've been playing all black guys. We didn't even know that. So the league was, like, ignoring anything like that. Crazy. Baseball's just – the history of baseball is never good. Every decade. I mean, the reason the National League uh, split and became two leagues, uh, and you got your American League out of this, is because the gambling was so bad. The games were fixed for, like, 20 years. And it was just so fake that somebody – I forget who uh, – the dude's name was White, I think – said, screw this. We got to start our own league. That's not this. We don't have a chance. Like our teams don't have a chance. So they started a whole league because it was corrupt. Then it was. It's. There's never been an era of clean baseball. It was racist. Then it was drugs. Then it was. I mean, for a while, it was drinking. And somehow or another, that got in there. 
and then it just turned into steroids and everything else. The money got back. into the mix. Oh, before yeah, I think the you money. say it about any sport, though. But even before yeah. the money, when these guys had second jobs, they were just horrible. So, Kurt Schilling, I'm not your biggest fan personally. I don't, I don't agree with what you say a lot. I don't think I have to. You were a monster on the mound. I don't know anybody's political views. You just made yours public. I guess that's what they don't want. But he called us one morning because we questioned why he uh, he was so mad because his wife had skin cancer and she couldn't be outside and she was always draped in beekeeper clothes. And I'm like, why are you staying in Phoenix? Why are you here? So we kind of were like, this, this is terrible that Kurt's actually, this is terrible to keep her here. And then he got mad and started to scream and yell they had at some us. funny quips. Sure. About, you know. <laughs> Everywhere from powder to, you know, right. thing that wants, what's it like going through there? Like, How? She can't go to games. She, could, she, she couldn't do anything. So he called you guys? Yeah, he called us and yelled at us about. Wow. And then he got mad about something else while he was on the air with us. It had nothing to do with what we were, were joking about. But yeah, Kurt Schilling called us. I'm like, I appreciate you calling. I, that's uh, that's a huge step up if you're bothered by it. That's we, awesome. And he, he starts cleared hearing, it up. He cleared that part up. And then afterwards, he starts talking about politics. And, and I'm like, all right. I didn't. I didn't know anything about Kurt Schilling. I just knew his teammates called him Red Light Kurt because when the camera was on, he was a different guy. Ah, but evidently when he quit, that isn't the case. But he should be in the Hall of Fame. So Diamondback people and fans and whatever. I don't care if you don't like things I like. If you could strike out eleven a game and dominate the league for a couple of years, or at least, God, I mean, how good was he from? It was ninety three to about two thousand five. That guy was. He'd have, he'd, yeah. The Phillies in 93, he'd have won World Series there if it weren't for Mitch Williams. Wild, he came on and blew Kurt Schilling's two almost just exquisite baseball games. And the picture of him in Philly with that towel over his head while Mitch Williams is giving up home runs in the ninth inning. Legendary. He comes here, he gets one. He goes to Boston, he gets one. That was a 14-year span of him dominating. That's rare. In baseball, too, that kind of attitude whether it is like a Kurt Schilling type personality, yeah. brings more <laughs> game for you as yeah. a player. These yeah. players are well, let me tell you what Brady's saying right now. I'm being real delicate about it. Is you're a better pitcher if you hate Muslims, and that's just true. <laughs> if you're racist, it, uh, I look you at the can, Hall of Fame you can and go I see that route. I see based on the busts in Cooperstown. I see wow, what it takes to get in this place is pure racism. These guys hated every color but their own out loud. And look at them. Now they're Hall of Famers. So I think that kind of hatred gets you up on the bump. Even Bob Gibson hated white people, something fierce for a long time. He was mean. That's what it takes. You've got to be an asshole to get into the Hall of Fame. So kids, start practicing that now. I Pick- still I still think Bond should be in, though, at this point. Because everybody else is in. And you can't tell me there's no PED yeah, why would guys you, in Why there. would you single him out? He's just the face of it. Why? He was, he was an all-star because, beforehand. Yeah, but same reason you single Pete Rose out. You you had the chance to come clean on that one uh, thing, and you embarrassed the league twice. Then you fought in court to say you didn't do, and other people went to jail. And I mean, he did things while he's playing. But this not, all went on. Not Pete Rose. Pete Rose well, absolutely was betting on baseball, yeah, betting on betting baseball, on baseball. and then had to come clean. And then when he did it, they're like, "Now we've nailed you." No, you should have stuck to your original story. But didn't he say that he never bet on his own team? He he said seven different things. He said, A, I never bet on baseball. B, I didn't ever do what you accused me of was the first thing. Then he's like, all right. And what he tried to do is save his own ass. Credit to Barry Bonds. He's not trying to save his own ass. But Pete Rose went out and told 
exorbitant lie on top of exorbitant lie about how it's it's a not right. happening. But then, then he came clean. There's well, he didn't difference. come clean. Bart Giamatti said, you're never getting in the Hall of Fame until you tell me you were gambling. He goes, you want me to tell you I was gambling? I wasn't, but okay, I'll go out and publicly do it. Yeah. So he and Bart Giamatti fought like crazy about this. And Bart even said he's the best player in, of the era. But he's like, this is, you can't do that. You just, it's the one steadfast rule in baseball because if you start allowing it, it's going to go crazy. And I've got he, proof. I've he, got a picture. He handled of himself sorry, bet. so badly that the, that they're like, you can't be in the, you're banned from baseball. And I kind of agree with that because the, there's one rule. But and it's just steadfast written in dark head, like deep, thick black writing. You get caught gambling, you're banned from baseball. So the fact he did it, okay. You you made your choice. So Pete Rose makes sense to me. Barry yeah. Bonds, ah. And he was the one that got, I mean, and he got caught. But I'm saying the difference between is is Barry has never really come out. He has been as, caught. The Balco well, thing, but, he was caught. All right, but has he admitted that? No, but that won't as matter. He said, I'm Here's sorry the other thing I about did Barry that Bonds. now. Barry Bonds, and this I disagree with. Barry Bonds was mean to the media when he wasn't on stage. Oh, yeah, he was a dick. He was a dick to them. And they even said it like, you're not helping yourself at all here. Media's who vote you in. And he was awful to the media before the steroid thing. And then the steroid thing happened, and the media's like, we got you now, and we're going to bury your ass. And they did bury, get it? So they, uh, yeah, so they crushed him as a person uh, because it was so clear and obvious what he was doing. I mean, you listen to, I, I mean, I was listening to MLB the other day, and they were talking to like Paul Duca and stuff like that. Not an all, you know, not a, not, right. not Hall of Fame guy or anything, but he said, he said, look, in my era, he goes, 65% of those guys were using on both sides, yeah. pitchers, oh, yeah. and he goes, Probably and you knew pitchers. who was doing it. Yeah. Well, that's why I want the steroid wing, because talking to a couple of guys who played in that era and every oh, we all knew everybody yeah. who was doing it. And I'm like, well, you get then, into all sorts of things. Then you build the steroid fans. wing, and you say, if you played in this era, there's a special, you're not in the main Hall of Fame. You guys did everything great, but it was an enhanced version of baseball during that time. And, and I guarantee you the guys were like, I never did it, and I'll rat out everybody who did because I want to be in the Babe Ruth side. I don't want to be in this 1983 to 2003 wing. This isn't fair to the people. Well, it is fair because you guys had the chance to say the league is something's going on here. And I'm telling you, everybody would have done it. If I was a Punch and Judy baseball player in the minors, and I'm just on the cusp of breaking in, and the guy next to me, I was better than my whole entire you know, minor league career. And all of a sudden, he's hitting 26 home runs a year, and he gets called up. and he's getting, you know, The difference between 13 home runs and 26 a year is about $5 million in your pocket. And you can pop 10 more home runs a year. Your money goes up. You're in the bigs. I'd have, I'd have been jamming that stuff in me, too. Oh, yeah. I Guaranteed. mean, I, I was listening when we used to run Love Line years ago. I was listening to Dr. <laughs> Drew, and he even said the same thing. And he's a doctor. He's yeah. like, if, if I had the chance to make the money those guys are making, yep. I'm in. I'm shooting up whatever what you do need I me have to put to on. Yeah. Yep. What do I have to do to get five or six more hits, to not be tired at the end of the season, to keep September alive, where I can hit 280 in September and keep my batting average at 300? Because that's $10 million for me. Breaking a world lower, record. Yeah. Yeah. In track, I mean, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it's your body. It's not like you're, uh, you know, it's you're now that a- matters. But back in the day when they were doing it, I never understood that with Olympics because oh, they weren't the getting weight paid. records were they weren't getting any, any money from it. Yeah, which is crazy because you get you'd get kicked out faster for getting paid than you would doing drugs. I never understood why Olympians did the drugs other than just notoriety because well, they, they couldn't receive. It got payments. to the point where you'd get. Um, Paid yeah, in ninety endorsements and stuff. It was 1992. I mean, the Russians well, before and the Germans, that, exactly the, they did. They but had why our guys ever thought about it was beyond me. And now they get paid. You handsome. get incentives uh, for yeah. getting the medals. and You don't get killed. 
Yep. That's according to what we say. But yeah. You get a flat, a nice two bedroom flat. And all this on the day that Cloris Leachman dies, a real Hall of Famer. Like this woman was brilliant. Mary Tyler Moore, all the way up to Beer Fest, where she was chugging sausages in her 80s, which is hilarious. She was. Frau. Who cares what her name was? She was giving hand jobs to giant kielbasas on the <laughs> great characters. Cloris Leachman was, yeah, she was in uh, Young Frankenstein. She's been in every classic movie in the 70s and. Even the, she even made the facts of life watchable for a little while because she was at the Mrs. Garrett left. Cloris Leachman died, 94. Oh, that's right. She was yeah. the replacement. That's right. She was Mrs. Garrett's replacement when they turned it into a – the whole school for some reason turned into a, like a novelty shop. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like a Spencer's <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. They just changed an entire school into a novelty shop, and all the girls lived there. It was like an orphanage. Those girls never went home. That school was worthless too because basically you went to that school for eight years, and then you got a job for minimum wage selling gum and candy. I don't understand the facts of life. But yeah, Cloris Leachman. Didn't they have a that. bakery or something like that? A business? They oh, started, yeah. They yeah did, Edna's yeah. Edibles. They had Edna's Edibles That's for a little while. Was. And Edna's Edibles. And then that took off, which is why <laughs> Mrs. Garrett had to go. She basically became uh, like uh, Sarah Lee. So oh. was it the school, the I deli, and then uh, the, they, the gift all, shop? They all left. Yeah, it was a school. Then it was Edna's Edibles. Okay. Which is a totally different store today. Because now it's just <laughs> selling weed. And Edna's Edibles took off, and then they all moved into this weird – and we all watched The Facts of Life for some reason. Yeah. Every guy I know is like, yeah, I know all the characters from Facts. Why did we watch that show? Not one girl on there was worth it. The first season, they had a couple of hot ones. They had uh, like seven or eight girls on the show the first year, and then they whittled yeah. it down to four and brought in awful Joe. And Joe was my favorite. Like I wanted Joe to and Blair. Blair was eh. – too much work. It was going to take hours. See, just, I had a. We watched for the cat fights. But see, I and then we never got one. <laughs> Although Natalie, they tried to convince us Natalie was on uh, speed for a while. I'm like, nobody that Not size that is size. on speed. <laughs> She's got. She needs more speed, is what I thought. But uh, I had an older sister who was very into uh, being the uh, the popular girl. So I knew from watching my sister that Blair would be a nightmare because. She takes three hours to get ready, and she's clogging up the bathroom. Joe, ponytail, jean jacket. Riding the bike. Riding the bike. <laughs> We're done. We're going somewhere. I, I like Joe because she was simple. Joe was the one I'd date on that show. Turns out I missed the whole boat. Maybe bigotry, maybe racism. Tootie was the hottest one. Not at the time. No, no, no definitely not. But now, time. like if you were to gauge it, like Tootie came out hotter than all of them. Natalie looks exactly the same. But we all watched that show. Men, boys. didn't. I don't understand it. We all know it. Didn't Clooney get a start on that show? Clooney was Clooney was on the Leachman. He was in the gift. He was in the gift shop. He was on in the in the Leachman seasons, and there was some other kid that kind of popped. I forgot his name, but the little red haired kid. Yeah, George Clooney was on Facts of Life too. He worked at the Spencers. It doesn't make sense, but Cloris Leachman's gone. This is the worst eulogy for Cloris Leachman ever as we break down her last season of Facts of Life. What, hand jobs, the kielbasas, and, <laughs> yeah, and, the, yeah. and Spencer's Young worker. Frankenstein and this. And I'm like, remember her on Facts of Life? But I, I ask every guy I talk to when we like reminisce about it, I'm like, did you watch Facts of Life? Every guy did. Yeah. Every 40-plus-year-old man is like, oh, yeah, I saw Facts of Life. What were we looking for? Not one hot girl on the show. It would be different if it was like Baywatch girls going to school. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Chicks in a private school. But I think that might play on the idea of a man's weirdness towards private school girls. Like eventually you're going to see something. <laughs> one of the first things, Brady, you're going to like this. One of the first things I ever pleasured myself to with my VCR in my bedroom was uh, the reruns of the original season of Facts of Life. 
uh, in the intro. You know, you take the good, you take the bad. There's a scene where Blair's playing field hockey, and she gets tackled. And I don't think she's got a bra on. And it moves like the stuff, like she hits the ground and they they jiggle. Pause. Uh, slow-mo on my forehead. Slow-mo. Super. I had a Sony forehead. One of the Ooh, man, best. Look you spent some dough. I, I saved a lot of money. It was $350 in 1986. I was 14. So, yeah, 1986. I bought a VCR for my bedroom, and my mom's like, that's great. You're going to watch movies? And she had no idea I was just recording <laughs> dirty commercials. We didn't have cable, so that, Pepsi ads, anybody in a bikini. I knew when sweeps – I'm the only kid alive who knew what sweeps month was because February, May, and November, television shows got real racy because those were the months they did sweeps, which uh, dictated how much they could charge for commercials. And I noticed that Entertainment Tonight – and all sorts of shows like that would start showing a lot more lingerie stuff. And my VCR was loaded for bear. <laughs> they stepped up the commercials. Yeah, and, and I used to – Stepped up the sexy. I, I, look, slow motion replays on uh, football games get me hard because of slow motion. To my, <laughs> I, I trained myself that slow motion is sexy. But Blair's boobs bounced in the opening. And I slow-moed that, and I could polish myself off in the time – by the time the girl got off of her. It was great. <laughs> I missed that VCR. That was the best. It's still, I think, the best. I got it at Spencer's in Mason. My mom drove me. I got the money. Whoosh, fanned out $360 in ones. Off we went. Actually, it was 87 because I was 15. I had, I had started working at Tony Roma's when I was 15. So I had busboy money. All ones. And the poor bastard at Spencer's had to watch me count it out. One, two, three, four, five, six. What are you going to do with this VCR in my room? I'm going to beat off incessantly <laughs> once i get all this money out of my hand i'm, I'm probably going to beat off to the vcr before i even get it hooked up this is a gold mine right here sir yeah you're like we're one of them kids that can't get laid that's exactly right <laughs> look at the size of your head i know it's not even close to the size of my body you're a weird looking young man enjoy beating off with this machinery thanks sir you're gonna need a big tv no no, no. 13 inch television 400 dollars vcr <laughs> this is the way it works at my house there you go there's the there's the season eight that's season eight with the chloris leachman and and then that There's kid. Clooney. And Clooney's in there. <laughs> and I like Joe. Well, I don't actually know kind of plumped up a little bit in well, later seasons, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why all men call it the fats of life, because we're <laughs> jerks. And we can't get in the Baseball Hall of Fame for that. <laughs> anyway, goodbye, Cloris Leachman, and sorry, Kurt Schilling. That's how we start today. Uh, let's start it with a wake-up song. Give us something good to scream together. It's 585-9800. That's the number. And we'll shout out this morning together. It's 98KUB. Wake up! <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. What the hell? 98. I'm not cool with this at all. Okay, you.